Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in Ritter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, January 27, 2019. A reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 13 through 31. For just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has arranged the body, giving the greatest honor to the inferior member. That there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. At the end of today's message, we'll be halfway home in our journey on this worship series titled, Hate, Enough is Enough. And today's message gets into some stuff that I'm going to warn you. If you're, I'll know if you're listening by whether or not you get emotional about it. Because today... Paul starts into some of his hardest writing ever to the church. And as I said in Friday's worship preview email, hatred and contempt are to be two sides of the same coin. And the thing is, I think both start out rather innocently. And we try to kind of fool ourselves into thinking there's nothing wrong with how we feel about ourselves or how we feel about someone else. 
And yet, look at the front page of today's bulletin. Look at the cover of the bulletin. Somebody read out the sermon title. Get over yourself. Now, I want to tell you something as we get into this. To get over yourself is not only to anyone who may think that they are of a higher status than someone else. I also want to speak to those who may think that their life is worth nothing and that nobody could possibly love them. Get over yourself too because God loves you completely. God has accepted you not because of who you are but because of who God is. And the reason why both of those are important for those who think that they're just the queen or king bee and that everything revolves around them and they need to get their will, get over themselves because that ain't biblical. So those who may think, well, I'm not really that important to you at all. Jesus died for you as well. And I'm reminded of a movie that came out, I want to say about 10 years ago titled, I think, Up in the Air. And it was about George Clooney. George Clooney was the lead actor. And it was about Clooney playing an HR guy who just went around and fired people. And he was a traveling, that's what he did. He, he fired people because it's easier to hire an outside firm to fire people than to do it yourself. Uh, I don't subscribe to that, but that's the premise of the movie. And being on the road as much as it was, when Clooney would call the, back, call the airline, he'd call the 800 number on the back of his VIP card, they would call him by name. I think he hit like 10 million miles in the air. I mean, it was like number five, I think it was. And Clooney, while he's traveling around, meets the, you know, he checks into a hotel, he goes to the short line. I mean, he's got every perk known to man and woman and child and everyone else. And he meets this lady on a trip, and they start their vow, they, they pull out all their loyalty cards. And it looked like me and my grandmother did when we were playing Go Fish or Slapjack. I mean, they were just throwing cards down left and right. Oh, you've got gold here, I've got diamond here, I've got black here. I mean, they're sitting there going back and forth, proving to each other by a two by two and a half by three and a half inch card in their pocket how important they are. It's a stupid, stupid concept. And yet we do it from the earliest ages. I already talked to Mary once today and I got in trouble, so I'm not going to ask her. But if I were to ask Mary, you can even see in a preschool class that how kids start sorting each other. You can see the kids who are more self-assured, self-confident, and try to put themselves up front, and you can see the kids who have very little self-confidence and feel like they don't have any role to play at all. And in today's passage in 1 Corinthians, we can lie waste to all these ideas. You know, he says there in the beginning in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of the one Spirit. 
the life, the first thing we see is the life of the Christian and the church focuses on Christ alone. The life of the Christian and the church focuses on Christ alone. You know, he says right there, even though there are many of y'all, you're one body. And there it is with Christ. How many times do we allow ourselves to think that it's about our needs, our wants, our desires? How many times do we treat our church or do we treat our families or do we treat our community or do we treat our world like it's about us and our wants and our needs. And it's about making sure I get what I want. Paul lays waste to that. He says, you are one body. You are one body. And we are made, for we are in the one spirit and baptized into the one body. Let me ask you this morning, how much would your life change? How much would the life of your church, your family, your world change? If forget everybody else, what if you, what if I, what if our first focus and only focus was Christ? What if we lived out this idea that we are all one body? What if they truly knew us by our love and not by our hatred and not by our contempt and not by how we handle each other? And you notice we were all made to drink of one spirit because the community of faith is God's work, period. You are not here for any reason other than God's grace that brought you here. Now, yes, as good Wesleyans, we do believe in free will. We do believe you have, the, you have the ability to accept or reject God's grace. But we embrace the idea that the community of faith is one body. And the community of faith is God's work. We try to tie it so often into programming. Or we try to tie it into a building. Or we try to tie it into a pastor. Or we try to tie it into this or that person. And we miss the fact that it's about God. How many times do we think if we just had a little bit more money in our bank accounts, we could have more stroke? What if I had more time to volunteer? Now Paul's writing this message to the church at Corinth. And he's reminding us all that the community of faith is God's work, period. How much hatred and contempt would that relieve us of? Would, would that relieve us of if we bought into the fact that you and I are here because of God's work? How would that change how we look at each other? Even those that may you go look at a little cockeyed or those that drive you nuts or those you're grinding your teeth at, imagine how much perspective would change if we looked at what we're doing here is not our work but God's work. 
Conversely, those that you love and those that bring you great joy and those that bring you great satisfaction. What if you looked at them through the lens that they are here because of God's work and not theirs? Because here's the key to combating hatred that we see when we look at this passage. When we start looking at each other and we look at our common bonds and we look at our common lives as God's work and not ours, then we start responding not to people but to God within people. Because if we have been brought here by God's grace, and we've been, if we are truly the work of the Spirit, then it is incumbent upon us to realize that in each other. And when we start looking at each other through God's eyes, and not human eyes, it allows us to have grace toward each other. It allows us to have peace toward another. It allows us to embrace one another. And it also gives us an impetus to look harder if we don't see it. And when we're seeking God, we cannot be embracing hatred. And why is this important? Well, this week, I believe it was this week, Lifeway Christian Bookstores and their whole network released a survey talking about, I believe it was 19 to 34-year-olds, and talking about why they run away from the church, even those that were raised in the church, even those that came out of churches with great youth programs. And the answer these young adults gave was hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And I think one of the reasons why we have to own that is because we have missed the idea that the community of faith is God's work and not ours. And so we embrace one another. We could preach a whole sermon just off that first paragraph, but then Paul goes in and he says, Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Remember what I said earlier. Get over yourself applies not only to those who have themselves or others on pedestals, but it also applies to those of you that think you have no role at all. You're wrong. Just because you say you don't belong doesn't make it true. Because in God's eyes, you do belong. And it is true. And he goes on and makes the same illustration about the ear. And he talks about the eye. And he talks about the hearing. But here's what he says. He says, but as it is... God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. Notice what he says. God arranged the members in the body. You still want to argue about whether or not this is God's work or ours? Imagine the freedom that comes and the joy that comes from knowing that God has you here for a specific reason. And that those seasons may change, but that God has you here for a reason. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He says, On the contrary, 
the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. What happens to one of us, what happens to one affects us all. What happens to one affects us all, and you may be going, no, I don't believe that preacher, and I would say, no, you're wrong. I would find a pastoral way to put it, but yeah, I would tell you, you're wrong. Because God has placed you here. Because God has placed us here. Because God has placed this community of faith here. What happens to one affects us all. Because you are not here for your own agenda, but you are here to be part of God's agenda. And what's really cool about that is, uh, pardon me coming down here for a minute, but I need to do this. Part of why that what happens to one affects us all is what would happen if you looked at each other through the lens of praying to God, dear Lord, why am I here and why are they here? God, help me see as you see. Help me discover as you discover. Help me learn as you learn. What would happen if we looked at those sitting next to us, behind us, in front of us? What would happen if we looked at the choir? What if we looked at each one as someone that God had placed here for the purpose of us seeing God in a way that we cannot ourselves? What would happen? Do we dare engage in such a practice? Do we dare engage in such a way that ours is a relationship of discovery. You can't hate when you're in that environment. You can't hold someone in contempt when you're looking at them through the lens of understanding that God has them here for a part of the, to be a part of the body for a specific purpose. Imagine what would happen if you looked at yourself and you said, you know what, I may not be aware of it yet, but God has me here for a reason, and no one can tell me that I'm any less important than anyone else. Because the same God that placed the muckety-mucks is the same God that placed me here. Muckety-muck, that's in another translation. I'll give it to you later. But you know what I mean. The other, re the other thing that Paul is doing here and this is a very wonderful piece of Scripture as far as helping us remember that we are part of one body, but he does not leave it just on that high note. He says, but God has so arranged the body. There he goes again. God has arranged the body. God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Fourth thing we see here is to strive 
to cause dissension within the church misses the whole point of Christianity. Let me say that again. And it's right there, black letter in Scripture. To strive to cause dissension within the church misses the whole point of Christianity. It's right there. He says, but God has so arranged the body that there may be no dissension within the body. And why is that important? As we look at this concept of hate, enough is enough. And the role that we play in either contributing to hate or eliminating hate. Is if the body of Christ is at war with each other, then what chance does the body of Christ have to transform the lives of the world? If the body of Christ is at war with each other or factions are at war with others within it, there is no chance we're going to live up to our biblical mandate as laid out in this passage. And the way that we get to that point is through prayer. And we get to that point when we embrace the reality that how we, if we, how we look at each other and how we look at ourselves plays a much bigger role than we may think. It concludes by saying, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And he goes on, he talks about these things. He talks about various gifts and striving for the greater gifts. But my friends, today's message reminds us. It reminds us we have to get over ourselves. We have to get over this idea that there is a pecking order in the life of the faithful and in the life of the church. You are no more or no less important than anyone else. And I want to close specifically not by speaking to the self-important based off of money giving or position holding, but I want to speak to those of you that think you don't matter. That's wrong. You matter, whether it's your first Sunday in here or whether you've been in here since the day was open or before that one was open. You matter because God died for you. And do not let any earthly measure try to convince you otherwise. If we are going to combat hatred in this world, it is not enough for us to sit here and to talk about how much we are called to love each other. It is important for us to actually get into business of loving each other. And we do that when we get over ourselves. And we, get, we do that when we start looking at each other as God's work and not ours. This movie that George Clooney is in that I was telling you about, Up in the Air, they're sitting there playing that game with all the cards and trying to prove how valuable they are. I'm not going to give away the movie ending other to say that George Clooney comes to a realization 
that the stack of cards in his pocket are irrelevant to his happiness. My friends, do not wait until you get to the pearly gates to figure out the fact that God does not play favorites. Do not wait to get to the pearly gates for you to figure out that you were actually a whole lot more valuable than you thought you were. Or don't wait for the pearly gates for you to discover that the house that you built your self-worth on, to use a phrase, don't be the foolish man that builds his house of faith upon sand. But let us be people who combat hatred by getting over ourselves and looking at our, looking at our church and looking at each other and looking at the world through God's eyes. And thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You may find out more about our ministries at fumcderitter.org.